dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. <laughs> Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. That was a really great um, finger point you just gave me. I don't know what to... I'm getting more Hollywood as I live in Hollywood. I'm getting Hollywood by osmosis. Oh. I need the little, the little click thing. Click. Oh. Wait, what do they say? What do the directors say when they do that? And action. Act. Action. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not quite hot enough. And All right, you're act. not. <laughs> do what you do. Um, the Hey, ask me what's new. What's new, sister? Because you asked me what was new on the last one, and I couldn't think of anything that was new in my life. <laughs> so today I thought Loving of something. Loving God, becoming holy. I I hope that's not new. Um, Cathartic way. What are you purging, sister? How are you self-emptying and, <laughs> and purging is, yourself of sin? I, I know that you maybe conflate the two, but this actually isn't spiritual direction. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, is, this is the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. It's God who forgives. I, this is what's new. I started today the third stage of cardiac rehab. And that's really exciting. What does that mean? You can now run again? No. That's like stage five, I think. You can fall in love again because your heart can take it? I hope we leave that awkward pause. (laughs) (laughs) Don't edit that out, Steve. I, no, I just- We talked about this. Nuns can fall in love. It's true. It happens. They just don't don't do anything about it. I mean, we yeah. we do something about it. Just yeah. we take it to the Lord. That's what we do about That's it. That's a great answer, actually. <laughs> um, no, third stage of cardiac rehab. So because the condition I have is postural, I moved from the recumbent bike to the upright bike. So I'm sitting up when I exercise. Mm. So by postural, you mean the way that your body is is positioned, oriented. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's super fun. Congratulations! How many how many stages are there? I think five, maybe six. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're so, what? What stage are you on? Three. Yeah. And stage six is like running marathons. No, well, just being able to run. Being normal. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> being normal. So yeah. <laughs> all us normies out here being able to ride a bike sitting up. <laughs> 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 You'll get there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what are you drinking, Father Michael? So I, I spent some prayer this morning thinking about this, the, the answer to that question. You're kidding. I am not kidding at all. Um, <laughs> so God bless um, and may his memory be eternal, Father Thomas Hopko, who was, mm-hmm. the, was the rector of St. Vladimir's Orthodox Seminary for years. He had lots of podcasts. He had lots of books. And um, he he's obviously here quoting the fathers and you and I might've already brought this up before, but um, I love his idea about fasting. And he said, if, in other words, if you're on a fast day, I don't, again, I, uh, I, I don't want to misquote him here. So uh, Father Nathan and I got, in, got to talk about, did he mean Fridays and do monks, we'll do this on Fridays, but pretty much if, if you, if you're going to do the charity trumps piety, if you're offered something that you're fasting from and 
Father Thomas Hopko says, instead of doing what I did in seminary, namely accepting it and then just going, uh, forget fasting, I guess I got offered something in charity trumps piety. He says, in other words, if you're with people, if you're in community and not everybody's fasting, then accept what is offered to you, celebrate with them, and the next day fast twice as much. Mm. So I, I understand that me sharing this is me, I'm, I'm being, I'm joking here for the most part, but like, I'm losing the grace and the the benefit of this. But um, on Friday, I woke up on Friday and I said, it's Friday. I'm going to, I'm going to fast a little more than usual today because I want to be holy. So, um, and then what happens that evening, Father Nathan's like entire extended family comes over and, and I get handed a beer when his brother-in-law first walks onto the campus and then we're like, you know what would go well with this beer? Whiskey. And so we we had a whiskey. You know what would go well with this whiskey? Another beer. So over the course, I'm, I'm, I sound like an alcoholic, but over the course of like five hours that evening, I had three drinks after mm-hmm. saying... I'm going to fast today. So then I thought, okay, so I need to, and I don't want to fast on Saturday or Sunday because those are the days you don't fast. So um, so I'm, I'm fasting a little more today um, mm. than usual. So I am drinking H2O. That's what I'm having, oh. water. And I'm going to whine about it the whole time. And I'm more tired than usual, therefore probably more grumpy because I'm not drinking coffee. And I haven't had a LaCroix in the house for days. And I'm on my period. And so like just everything's going <laughs> wrong today. And I'm, I'm going to whine about it. And, and yet I hope I'm getting grace because I'm drinking water instead of coffee. Are you trying to imitate me in spiritual direction? Is that, <laughs> is that, is that what I sound like? <laughs> Wait out the crazy, Father Michael. Wait out the crazy. um that's very funny the it'll be over in a handful of days don't worry (laughs) is that the the scientific term a handful of days oh you poor ladies and your handfuls of days (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know how to recover from this i just don't let's just move on i'm drinking drinking water (laughs) i'm drinking coffee that was exciting. Sinner. Sinner. I, <laughs> I'm drinking coffee. Um, I'm so holy now drinking my water. I can judge you for drinking coffee. Next time we record, <laughs> it'll be like, now I'm back to coffee. <laughs> it's I'm drinking instant coffee, which I've always frowned upon and, and judged people for. And um, <laughs> recently it's become kind of a necessity in life. And Nescafe Gold, if anyone's wondering, is the best instant coffee. The but what I'm drinking right now is called Juan Valdez, I think. Mm. And but I'm drinking it out of um my boyfriend mug, the Pier Giorgio one. Nice. So woot. Love Pier Giorgio. Woot. The quote on it is if you have God as the center of all your action, then you will reach the goal. Nice. I like it. I believe that. Absolutely true. Yeah. Good job, Pier Giorgio. It's just hard keeping him there. <laughs> So with my my newfound holiness today, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, is it's your all, newfound holiness all coming together. throughout the podcast? Because <laughs> I think I'm agreeing that your any grace is just gone. <laughs> You've replaced I'm, the I'm, grace with. I'm pride. trying to prove my point here. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I'll try to be humble, sisters. Just humble me throughout the podcast, and <clears throat> and I I'll, I appreciate it. <laughs> no no qualms there. I. Want to give a shout out quickly, multiple shout outs to Bethany, Marsha, John, and Hannah, who all registered for our bridegroom's banquet. Mm. Um, but actually, that's something new. We had our bridegroom's banquet when we're recording this. The bridegroom's banquet was two days ago, and 
we're already, we're still accepting donations for it. But um, as of this morning, we were already at like, we had matching funds up to 100,000 and we're already at like 95 something. Nice. So that's, so I'm sure by the time people are hearing this podcast in a few weeks, we will have reached our goal. So we'll have at least $200,000 to to be doing this, our um, chapel renovations on the interior of our chapel, which is very exciting. So we're going to, uh, our chapel is now going to look a lot more like what Father Michael talked about when he did the episode on a, the Byzantine Temple tour. I don't remember what it was called. Something, it might've been Byzantine Temple tour. Yeah, I think something like that. And so our chapel is going to now look a lot more like that. Like we're going to have some of that architecture and stuff because we just inherited this building, you know, so yeah. Run this by mother, but I think if if it's proven that at least a quarter of the donations that have come in have come in because of our podcast, I think she should get our logo tattooed on her arm. <laughs> Run it by her, but uh, but Run it I, by I, the I, I think she might do that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's she yes, fun. she's the one. By the way, Mother Theodora, of course. If you're if you're new to the show, um, her voice is the one that introduces us in the beginning. Yes, and she's true. she's delightful. If you if you can't tell by the dear ones, comment, <laughs> she says she's absolutely delightful. So. She is delightful. So yeah, so those were the people who registered for the banquet. But we've had a like there were a lot of people who donated from just like podcast listeners. Nice. And so I'm thank you. Really all. appreciative of that. So yeah. thank you. Oh. Yeah. And uh, and you could uh, send some my way too if you want. <laughs> oh, are you renovating the interior of your chapel? <laughs> the interior of my heart. I'm I'm incensing the temple of the Lord, <laughs> and I need some more cigars. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Are- do not do not send me money. It will be it will be completely ill used. If you want to send money to the Protestant <laughs> Cathedral of Saint Mary, no, then we'll use it well. But if you send it to Father Michael Lachlan, oh, it's going to go to chocolate and <laughs> and cigars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um. That's- <laughs> You you've just you're full of scandal this episode. Great. It's it's my newfound holiness, I think. It's just it's just kind of <laughs> oozing out my pores. <laughs> I can't handle you today. The okay. do you have anything from the last episode or any shout outs or anything that you want to I have? I have something from a bunch of episodes ago. Um oh. so today, sister, do you know who all the saints this today are on our Byzantine calendar? I know Matrona. Yep, yep. She's she's the first. Um, also- Porphyrius. Ooh, e- actually, no. Oh, we Porphyrius. celebrate Porphyrius. He must be Orthodox. Well, like he must no. be post schism. Okay, Porphyrius was. There is a Porphyrius. Oh, he's like fourth century. Yes, yeah, so the, the Porphyrius was mentioned in the story of the saint of the day. Oh, he's also he's also so, one of the ones oh, okay. that we celebrate today. Okay, one of the smaller um, ones. Uh, but so I don't anyway, remember whose story he was. Oh, I'm sorry. In. You're right. I'm 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 looking further down the list. Yeah. So the holy martyrs Onesiphorus and Porphyrius are mm-hmm. actually primary in the prologue prologue of Ulcrid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm th- I'm talking about John the Dwarf. Did you guys read his story? Um, John the Colobos, sh- the short one. Yeah, I'm sure we did. I don't think I was listening. So I wanted to just refer. There, there was an interesting story about obedience. So I, we did the podcast on obedience a few podcasts ago. Oh yes, I remember yes. this being read. You last know the night. story. Okay, is so it a, is it about 
A stick? It's about a stick. Thinness. So his, he, he was an ascetical master, but his superior told him out of obedience to, to stick a dead stick in the ground and to water it every single day. And so John did this with joy because he understood the power of obedience. And even though it was absurd, and, and we're not going to talk about this now, but, um, but in other words, for him, from his spiritual father, that was going to be spiritually, um, spiritually fruitful, if you will. You can see where this is going. So he, he plants the stick, and for three years he waters it. It's just a stick, right? Nothing's going to happen. And then... As the story says, by the grace of God, it began to sprout and bear fruit. And so when this, by the grace of God, this dead sticks, dead stick bears, sprouts and bears fruit, um, the, the hegumen, the, the boss, if you will, of the monastery, the, uh, the abbot um, goes and takes the fruit and he, he gives it to the monks and says uh, something like, uh, this brother's um, is a beautiful fruit, enjoy it well, because it is the fruit of obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously there's a, there's an image here about the fruit of obedience, three years watering a stick, um, out of, out of just acceptance of, of obedience. And that was spiritually fruitful. And that's not, by the way, just watering a stick in the ground is not going to be spiritually obedient to everybody, but it was to John the Dwarf. <laughs> I, like, in other words, don't just do that because you think that's going to, I mean, obviously I know I'm not, I'm not making fun of anybody, but, but if your spiritual father asks you to do something that that's where the difference comes in is that there's a, there's a, a beautiful grace-filled thing of 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 doing um, what your spiritual father says. Sisters, give me all these weird looks. I'm not directing this to you at, at you at all because I'm your spiritual father. Um, but I, I just love that idea of eating the fruit and calling it the fruit of obedience because, of course, mm-hmm. that's literally fruit and came mm-hmm. from obedience. But but there is there is a lot of fruit to our obedience. I thought it was just a good story to keep in mind. Um, so if you're struggling with obedience. Um, and you, even if you don't want to say the word dwarf, um, <laughs> Saint John the Kolobos, K-O-L-O-B-O-S, um, is his saint. He's one of the saints of today as well. That's all. I don't remember why he's called John the Dwarf. He was short of stature. Oh, is that what it said in the prologue? Yes. Okay. He there's, was like Zacchaeus. There's also, there are saints like John the Faster. Mm. And that's always very funny because it he sounds like he was like a marathon. Race. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In the <laughs> but, monastery. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually was just a great ascetic. And so he's There's also John the less fast, just like the Jameses. You John just the faster made that up. and John the slow. John the middle, middle range fast. John the bronze medal winner. Are you, are you, done? Done. Are you Sorry, done? Are you sure you haven't had this coffee? Because you're I kind know, of acting like I it. I know. Maybe this is what happens when I don't have coffee. Oof. I think this is because you have ADHD, right? You've said this on the yes. podcast before. Yes, I do. Um, I. One you're of my, right. Coffee actually acts like Ritalin. Yeah. You're right. Oh my gosh, that's what's happening. I'm I'm literally I showing my like ADHD happening. right now, and coffee like kind of focuses me. Oh my gosh, sister, you just you just you just uh. Saved my wife and kids a lot of uh, a lot of stress here, and now I know I need to drink coffee every day. Um, maybe because Byzantine priests can be married, and maybe because people haven't necessarily listened to all the episodes, we should clarify that you're not married, nor do you. My have wife, my wife is the church, children. and the children are my parishioners. That's right. In a way, 
in a way. By the way, that 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 whole priest being married to the church thing is a very recent Western development. Um, mm-hmm. We generally don't say that that celibate priests are married to the church. It, it's it's true in many practical ways, um, but it is entirely possible uh, to be not married to anybody, which is what I am. So it, it's there's an assumption when we when we when we emphasize too much. Again, it's true. I'm not. I I don't mind saying it. I don't mind hearing it. But it, it's it's important, um, especially in the Eastern mindset, uh, that we understand that even though we are called and and it's built into us to be married to to have uh, <clears throat> have a an object of our self emptying someone that we love most etc um i i think it's a little bit especially for those of us in the east it's a little bit um dismissive of the grace of celibacy to to always say that a celibate has to be married to especially a celibate man has to be married to the church. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. sister, you guys have a very beautiful devotion of being married to Jesus, and that's something that is unique to women religious. Um, but we, uh, we men, it's it's okay that the life of celibacy is a uh, is a life of asceticism and a life of of sacrificing those beautiful things and then needing to rely upon the grace of God because we cannot do that without Him. So, mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> to explain <laughs> my myself in that short comment, and sorry, right. sister, this is your topic. I'm gonna maybe <laughs> maybe out of charity, I'm gonna make you drink coffee for the next episode because we're <laughs> recording. We're recording two today. That is true. That is true. Um, I'm just kidding. Here, it's great. It's purely delightful. Uh, I think our listeners are gonna enjoy your ADHD a lot. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad they'll... somebody will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good time. I have. Is that all you had from the last episode? Well, yes. from several episodes ago. Okay. Yes. I have two things from the last okay. episode, both of which I had said in the last episode I would start with this one. So the first is so this this is actually really funny. I was talking about Jacob's ladder as one of the images of Mary, like Mary being the the ladder upon which the the angels were ascending and descending and and so on and so forth. And you were like, are you going to mention your namesake? And <laughs> so here's what's really funny. I thought, and I was like, well, that's just like, I don't have time for that. I'll say it in the next episode. But actually I realized what immediately after stopping recording, I realized what you were referencing oh. was that Jesus says, um, you'll see greater things than these. You'll see angels ascending and descending. And so he right. makes that reference to Jacob's letter. Yes. Not what I okay. thought you were talking okay. about <laughs> because that would have been very quick to mention. <laughs> what did you think I was talking about? What I thought you were talking about is because when, so I'm, I'm named after St. Nathaniel. So that's why, that's what we're talking about. So first chapter of John, St. Nathaniel, also known as St. Bartholomew in tradition, mm-hmm. both Eastern and Western tradition. And so I was I was thinking you were referencing when Nathaniel says to Jesus, what good can come from Nazareth? And then you're, and then I thought you were referencing like the whole thing about he shall be a Nazarene and the, the uh. Hebrew word and the, and I was like, I don't even know all those details and I can't go into that right now. And um, from the, the prophecies and, and all of that. So I was like, I, what do you know? Why would you bring that up? <laughs> and then after I stopped recording, I realized, it was very simple what you were talking about. That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, that's okay. what I had about that. Yep, it was just the latter. So, yeah, the yeah, and then the other one is 
Right after we finished recording, I went to Vespers and we started with the 15 minutes of the Jesus prayer. And as I'm praying the Jesus prayer, the Hebrew word that I was thinking of popped in my head. Mm. So, (laughs) and I was like, really? I just stopped recording. So I was talking about some sort of reference when we're talking about Mary as the overshadowed mountain Mm -hmm. and that, that type. Um, I had mentioned that there was some connection that I couldn't remember between the glory cloud and Mary and the word overshadowed and all of that. So I checked into it and what I was thinking of was the Greek word. um, I don't, um, I might have it right in front of me. I might even be able to say what the Greek word is. The, oh, I'm I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. So I'm just going to say, the Greek word used for overshadow in mm-hmm. Luke one thirty five when it says the power of the Most High will overshadow you, um, and uh, at the at the Annunciation, the Greek word there. The only other time that same Greek word is used is for it's the Hebrew word that's used in the Old Testament for. Um, the glory cloud that overshadows the mm. ark. Okay. And the only other, so the, the only times that word is used is the overshadowing of the ark, this verse, Luke one thirty five, mm-hmm. And then I think the only other time is the transfiguration. Like the voice of God or? Um, no, I think it's, oh gosh. Oh, I think it's, it's just- when the cloud... Yeah, okay. When okay. the cloud comes. I don't right. know what the specific word is. Before they hear but the, vo- the voice of God. Yes. Yeah, okay. So I'm I'm pretty sure those are the only three times that particular word is used. Okay. And so I thought that's kind of a cool yeah. connection. So yeah. and anything that anything that the scripture like observable statistics or observable word study on the scripture reveals something beautiful about the mother of God mm-hmm. is always good. Because of course our Protestant brothers and sisters would sometimes need that. Absolutely. Um, so need, like, yeah. hey, look, it's in the Bible even. Yeah. So those who are, oh, that's all I have. Can I move on to my topic? Please. Is there yep. something else? No, I feel we did the drinking thing. We did the, like, like, what are you drinking? And we did the last episode. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Yeah. The... Those of you who are regular listeners know that traditionally Father Michael and I take turns with episodes, but we are doing, I'm going to have two episodes coming out back to back. The last episode was mine, The Types of Mary. And then this episode, I asked Father Michael if it could also be mine because this one is coming out, I believe, on November 25th. And I want to talk about something that's starting November 15th. Mm-hmm. So it's still a little bit late, but it's less late than it would be if we waited another week. Um, Father Michael, what is happening on November 15th? And I don't mean pull up your calendar and tell me what your day's like. We are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. Because it's Michael. a Sunday. Father Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and it, it is, is the a kickoff. Sunday, but what else? Yes, it is the well, that, that's important though. Even, it is, I mean, like right. it's it's a, it's a fast day, but it's also a Sunday. Sunday is, is a is a beautiful day of the resurrection of our Lord. But um, it is. I was forgetting that it was a Sunday, and I thought you were making like 
a stupid joke where you were pretending like it was Posca or something. Oh no no no! I <laughs> I just I I wrote about this in my bulletin, and so I just I had to look up what day it was, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. So anyway, it's the beginning of the forty day fasting period in preparation for the incarnation of our Lord, called Christmas, and we call it the Philip's Fast. It's hmm. it's the Byzantine version of Advent. So some Byzantine gathers call it Advent, but it is it it is our forty day penitential season in preparation for the incarnation of our Lord. And well, the the birth of our Lord, of course. Mm-hmm. The birth of our Lord, which the we nativity call of also, the Lord Jesus Christ. Exactly, and so it's also known as the Nativity Fast. But Father Michael, I don't understand. If we're preparing for the Nativity, why would you call it the Philip's Fast? Because it starts the day after the Feast of St. Philip. Yeah. So, And why, sister, why do we call it after? Oh no. <laughs> why do we call the Phyllis fast rather than the fast of the saints of the day, which are, by the way, this totally fits into why I'm asking this. Um, why don't we call it, sister, the fast of Saints Gurius, Simonis, and Habib? I had to look that up. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just much easier to remember Philip than it is Gurgis, okay. Simonis, and Habib. Like I, that, that's literally the exact, that, that's the reason we got in seminary. So if someone knows otherwise, feel free to call in and correct us or write in and correct us. Um, but yeah, it was just Gurgis, Simonis, and Habib. It's just like the fastest saints, Gurgis, Simonis, and Habib. And I couldn't remember. I, I think if I had been another 30 seconds, I could have, but yeah. So it's just the, the after the feast of St. Philip, it's much, he's an apostle. It's easy to remember. So we call it the Philip's fast, that's the nativity funny. fast. By the way, to correct myself, I said preparation for the incarnation. Of course, the Incarnation begins at Annunciation, right? Yes. God became mad at the Annunciation. I meant the revelation of the Incarnation or the Nativity, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, yes, yes. thank you for that. Um, I wonder if it's because I told you why it was because. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of why you accidentally called it the Incarnation, and I'm oh. wondering if it's because isn't um, Athanasius his writing on the Incarnation? I feel like he focuses heavily on the nativity, right? That's not why I said it, but I mean, I, I, th- there is this Christmas as uh, the nativity of our Lord. Christmas is obviously such a a large feast, and it has been since Christmas. The nativity of our Lord used to be celebrated on January sixth. It was celebrated along with Theophany, Epiphany, etc. So a lot of the feasts of the Revelation were all together. So mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> and that both, was all called theophany, correct? Correct. So so Christmas was actually one of the theophanies. It was one of the mm-hmm. revelations. Um, it, was, it was the nativity, the baptism, and the wise men, the visiting of the wise men. Correct. And in some traditions, the, the wedding at Cana. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so yeah, so you have those four, all four of those events were celebrated on January 6th and they were all called the Feast of the Theophany because theophany means the revelation of God or the revelation. God. So yeah. something is revealed. So epiphany, theophany mean the same thing. Um, so, but well, what, epiphany means, rep, what is epiphany revelation of what? Because the theo in theophany is the God part. I think it just means revelation. So it's just the more general term. Yeah, okay. that, that's my understanding. Again, I could be wrong. Um, something we can look up before next time. Um, okay. But uh, but yes, so there obviously at the wedding at Cana, Jesus's um, Messiahship or divinity was revealed to his apostles and to those gathered there. Um, during the baptism of Christ um, was revealed the Trinity 
because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, voice of the Father, um, descent of the Spirit like a dove, and then Jesus in the water. The wise men were a revelation to the nations. Um, and then, of course, the, the uh, see, I keep on saying it, the nativity of our Lord, <laughs> the birth of our Lord was the revelation of the incarnation or the revelation of God become mm. man to mm-hmm. us. So that's why, I, that's why I say it that way. It's the revelation of the incarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but different traditions moved those celebrations to different times in the church year. So we Byzantines, we'll get to this, of course, but we Byzantines celebrate the baptism of our Lord on January 6th. We celebrate the wise men on Christmas itself was when we hear their gospel. And we celebrate the nativity, of course, on Christmas as well. And then the um, the the wedding at Cana is just the gospel is is of course heard at every wedding in the Byzantine tradition, but it's also um, uh, shortly after Pascha mm-hmm. because we're in the Gospel of John at Pascha. So, yeah, great, thank you. That's a lot of that's a lot of detail that I would have wanted to give and I would have <laughs> forgotten. So I'm grateful that you you thought of it um, about it. It used to be one feast and things like that. So your misspeaking yeah. led to a good sharing. Um, yeah. So the I I just want to speak very generally about the fasting period. I don't know that we're going to get to a lot of or any necessarily of of the nativity itself or that feast, but I think that maybe as we get closer to the nativity, like maybe towards the end of December, we should talk about some of those things, but. One of so so the main thing I want to mention is that the church the church does a very very beautiful job of having these seasons of fasting before major feasts and so it's it's like we both the the church absolutely knows how to how to fast and knows how to be ascetic and all of that but but she also knows how to to celebrate the the major feasts given to us by God. And so this is one of those those fasting periods that is meant to prepare us for a major feast. And we have in the the Eastern churches, we have four major fasting periods. Mm-hmm. And there is the great fast, obviously, um, known in the West as Lent. And that's the 40 days before Pascha. Mm-hmm. Except so so there's like different counting between <laughs> um, the the Eastern and Western churches. So the Latin rites when the Latin rite when you would start on Ash Wednesday, we start two days before that on Monday. We start the Great Fast, and the I believe the Latin rite Catholics do not count Sundays. Correct. Um. And we do count Sundays, but we don't include Holy Week. Holy Week is an additional, even more intense fast than the rest of the Great Fast. Is that correct? Yes. So um, originally Lent was just one week. It was mm-hmm. just Holy Week. Um, the church decided, both both all the churches, all the Christian churches decided to um, adopt the fact, the number 40, because of Christ. Christ fasted himself for 40 days in the desert, the 40 years in the desert for Moses and the Hebrews, et cetera. Um, so what they did was when, when both churches decided to adopt this 40 count, the Eastern churches generally just added 40 days to the Holy mm-hmm. Week that was Lent. Um, so you add 40 days and you get back to the what is now the, the Monday before Ash Wednesday. So Ash Wednesday came because in the West, they, they took away Holy Week 
um, and 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 counted that among the forty. But from Holy Thursday night on is one day. So in in the, in the Roman tradition, you mm. don't. I believe from Holy Thursday all through Good Friday and until the Easter Vigil, um, you you never have a dismissal at Mass. If you're yeah. listening, correct me if I'm wrong. So that's all one day. So if you want to count 40 days for the West and you starting with Ash Wednesday, um, do not count Sundays and count um, like Holy Thursday night through the vigil as one day. And that's how you'll get 40. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little more confused. It's harder to do that. Um, in, the, in the East, um, we end the great fast on the Friday before Friday. Lazarus Saturday, and then Lazarus Saturday through Easter Sunday, which is just over a week, um, is is a separate. Yeah, like Sister said, more intense fasting period. That's how you. Mm-hmm. That's why it's different. The different periods of the Great Fast in the different yeah. churches. Well, and Lazarus Saturday and Palm Sunday are actually somewhat of a lightening of the fast. It's like a reprieve, um, a An bit. Oasis, if you will. yeah, between between what is technically the great fast and and holy week great and holy week um because like on palm sunday we can have we can have fish and wine and so anyways i'll get into those things as as i talk about this particular fast that we're about to enter you and i in 6 days um the rest of the world a couple of weeks ago the so that's the that's one of them is the great fast we then also have the um I'm not forgetting the fast. I'm trying to go in order. So next would be starting with the great fast. The next one would be the apostles fast, which starts also called the fast of Saints Peter and Paul. And did I just make that up? That is a name for it. The fast of Saints Peter and Paul. Mm-hmm. Peter and Paul fast. Well, well, I've never heard it called that, but it ends on I that I might have just though. made that up. Yeah. But so it, anyways, in, this in is your the monastery, that's the second most intense? No, 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 no. I oh. mean, in order of the year. Oh, the I'm year. Sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good. So okay. um, after Lent, the next I was gonna cry one heresy. to happen no, in kidding. the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, the next one that would happen after the Great Fast would be the Apostles Fast, which we had several months ago. And it starts eight days after Pentecost. So it starts a week after Pentecost Monday. And it goes until June 29th. So I think we've talked about this on another episode, but so if it's a, if we have a late Pascha, it ends up being a really short fast. If we have a long, if we have an early Pascha, it ends up being a really long fast. So next year it's going to be very long. And then the next one of the year, the calendar year would be the Dormition fast, which is the two weeks leading up to Dormition. Mm-hmm. And then the final Dormition, one. For you Roman Catholics, oh, that's sorry. assumption. Yes. Yep. Um, and then, and we talked about that because we recorded on the Feast of Dormition, mm-hmm. I think, um, or somewhere around it. And then the final one of the calendar year would be this fast, the Nativity Fast, the Phillips Fast. And it is the second most intense of the fasts. So you don't have to cry heresy on me, Father Michael. And it begins on November 15th and it ends on December 25th. If you are on the new calendar, if you're on the old calendar, it wouldn't start on November 15th. It would start 40 days before January 6th. 7th at this point. Oh, 7th? Yeah. But oh. that, that changes. According to the Julian calendar, the old calendar, that, that's, that, th- those, those dates year. are going to change. Uh-huh. Pretty sure it's the 7th. We'll have to look into this too. That's very good to know. So, so anyways, it's the 40 days... Um, before, before the nativity. Our monastery and a lot of Byzantine churches 
are on the... Siri, when is Old Calendar Orthodox Christmas? Are you kidding me? She's ignoring me. Orthodox, no, yeah. she's not going to say it. Orthodox Christmas Day is on Thursday, January 7th, 2021. Oh, Booyah. that's interesting. Wow. That was... <laughs> so, <laughs> so this one, um, so it's 40 days before Nativity because it's meant to parallel the great fast leading up to Pascha. And in fact, the Nativity is referred to sometimes... Um, oh, I was talking about the calendars. I'm sorry, I got distracted because of Siri. The most most Byzantine churches still celebrate. Not most. It's I don't I don't actually know what the percentage is, but some Byzantine churches will still celebrate new calendar um, along with the Latin Rite Catholics and um, Protestant churches. Of we should we should explain the calendar in more detail at some point, but I'm not ready to do that. Like about Julian, okay. Julius Caesar, and Pope Gregory. And, all and of that, revised but, Julian and right, all of yeah. that. So anyway, yeah, we're, so, we're, this is a historical reality where Pope Gregory, uh, ad, ad, according to more scientific understandings of time, uh, revised the calendar. And the Julian calendar mm-hmm. is named after Julius Caesar. The um, Gregorian calendar is named after Gregory. So it, it, it changed and um, most Western countries now follow the Gregorian for secular and religious, um, but many of the Eastern ones still follow the Julian or the adapted. We'll talk about that later on. But anyway, when we talk about yeah. old calendar, new calendar, this is a, we're actually talking about in time, either the, the understanding of, of the year based upon Julius Caesar's calendar or upon Pope Gregory's calendar. Which came later, much later, fifteenth yep. century. Yeah. So, um, are all Ruthenians on the new calendar? Mm, nope. I think. Well, I mean, no. oh, officially, yes. I mean, all, all okay. four of our Ruthenian eparchies are, mm-hmm. um, but you you do have some parishes that that have, okay. I'm guessing, received permission um, from the okay. bishop to be on the old one. Yeah, got it. And um, Ukrainian churches, some are old, some are new, and so um, I know a priest who had multiple parishes and one of his parishes was old calendar and one of his parishes was new Mm. calendar. And that was very, just an odd situation. Two Christmases. Yeah. And two fasts. No, that's right. I guess (laughs) you just, you probably just choose one of those. I I would go with the earlier one and then just pause and celebrate Christmas again. But yeah. So the, um, so, so the nativity is sometimes actually referred to as the winter Pascha. And I, I believe this term was coined by Father Alexander Schmemann. Mm. Do you happen to know if that's true? I have the Are book you, called The Winter Pascha. Um, second shout out in this podcast to Father Thomas Hopko. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't, I'm guessing he mentions it in, his, in the introduction, but I he can't does. see it right now. Okay. He does. Never I'm mind, looking to you because got it. until a couple of days ago, we had a copy of that in the room that I'm in right now. Um, so if you, we have Lenten spring by Hopko, but not winter Pascha in this room, we have it in our library. Mm-hmm. Anyways, if you are interested in learning about some of the parallels between the nativity and Pascha, i.e. Christmas and Easter, I would highly recommend this book. It's very, it's very understandable. And I think Father Thomas Hopko, um, he's, he's Orthodox. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> I thought you were saying, about to say, but, and I was like, just. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Say um, Anna's dead. Never mind. Go ahead. No, Continue. I was going to say he's orthodox. So some of the things, but I think I think he addresses well in the book. He even talks about. I feel like this is the book in which he talks about. Um. Mary's he has some Marian teaching in there that I I thought he addressed very diplomatically and very well. Um, that might be a difference between Catholic and Orthodox teaching or something like that. But but anyway, so so be discerning in that. Um, but he it's it's a really good book, so I would recommend it. Winter Pascha and the um, also just for we probably say these things will probably over teach, but um, Pascha just means Passover. So in in, in every language except English. Um, the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord refers to Passover. Like, and mm-hmm. so um, only in English do we call it Easter, um, which is a, a, a different root. Um, but so when we say Pascha, we're using like in Spanish, Pascua, et cetera. Um, we're, we're used, that's what we mean. We mean the resurrection of our Lord, also mm-hmm. called Easter in, in English languages. So, so there are many parallels between um, the sort of the liturgical things that happen around the nativity and the the readings we have and the the different ways that we celebrate and things like that there are a lot of parallels between the nativity or christmas and pascha or easter and so that's why it's sometimes referred to as the winter pascha and so so this 40 day fast is in some sense parallels the great fast that we have before pascha or lent so I want to talk a little bit about fasting, basically. And because I, I always have people ask like, well, what should I do for this fast? And, <laughs> um, and so I want to give just a little bit of kind of some practical tips about fasting. And I know that we've talked to some degree about fasting on other episodes, but for those who are interested in participating in this particular fast, whether you're Roman Catholic, Byzantine Catholic, or Protestant or um, or not even Christian, but you're seeking God and you're you're wanting to like figure out what this looks like or anything like that. I want to give some some tips there. So the church is very clear that in in times of fasting, we're not supposed to be only focused upon abstaining from certain foods. Um, that's that's not the only point. We actually should be focusing. In, in three areas of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And within almsgiving, we can break that down into three subcategories as well of time, talent, and treasure. And so what, what, I, what I always encourage people to do when they're trying to figure out what to do for a particular fast is to look at those three categories, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, to look at the three subcategories of the almsgiving and to to take to prayer, um, take take those things to prayer, and and ask the Lord what He's desiring of you for this particular fast. And so, just kind of pay attention when I say take that to prayer. I mean, sit in silence, maybe pray the Jesus Prayer until. Um, for 10 or 15 minutes if you need to, which we have an episode on the Jesus prayer if you're not familiar with that. But if you want, need to pray the Jesus prayer for 10 or 15 minutes to kind of calm your mind and and stop thinking about the things of the world and actually focus upon Christ and make sure you're um, settled in his presence and things like that. And then, um, and then just say, 
Lord, what should I do for this fast? And then sit in silence and pay attention to the movements of your heart. I don't mean like listen for an audible voice or something. And the things I would encourage you to keep in mind as you're doing this is that all all of these categories are meant to aid in one another. And they're, they're meant to be helping you to have more time to be focused upon the Lord. And so when, so, so really they're all supposed to aid the prayer part of prayer, fasting and almsgiving. So for, for instance, one of the things that we, so the traditional fast in the East for any, well, almost every Wednesday and Friday, but then all of the great fast and all of the nativity fast is no meat or dairy. And then in some traditions, there's also wine or like fasting from wine and oil. And then there's, but some days you can have wine and oil. Anyways, I'm not going to get into to all of that, but, but meat and dairy and eggs. Um, and fish with backbones. This is getting complicated. Anyways. And the, that, that varies per tradition as well. So yeah. look, up, look up your own tradition or, or ask your spiritual father how you want to take these traditions and adapt them to your own situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not, I'm not even saying that you necessarily have to do that full, that the, the fullest of that tradition in your home. Um, especially it's, it's hard if you're, if you're, if you have a family and things like that, or you're not just cooking for yourself and not everyone is super into this and things like that. Like you also need to, to be loving the people in your home. So don't Mm -hmm. necessarily force this upon your spouse. Who's not even Catholic or something like, um, if they want to join you in it, great, but maybe don't, um, don't just like force this upon them. But, but the point being when we're fasting from meat, there are, there are lots of explanations for why we fast from meat. Um, some of them more theological, some of them more practical. But one of the, one of the things that I, one of the explanations that has been the most fruitful in my particular life is to remember that meat is the most expensive um, of the foods and, or it was at times, not necessarily now, um, but it, the most, the more expensive and it took the, the longer time to prepare. And so in fasting from meat, we now have more time because we're not spending the time preparing and cooking meat. And that time can be dedicated to, to prayer. Um, we now are saving money that we would be spending on expensive meats and that money can be going towards almsgiving. And so that's what I mean by these things should should aid one another. Um, and it's the same thing with like, um, yeah. Anyways, do you have anything to add to that before I move on? Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of thinking and probably not enough reading, but enough, a lot of thinking about, about fasting and, and about that aspect of it. And it, it is important. And through the past, you know, 50, 60 years in, in our American church, uh, we have, we don't understand, and I, I think, and I, I, I know some of the reasons for this. I don't know other ones, but we we really hesitate to talk about re, like penance, as in I'm a sinner, mm-hmm. and so so. In other words, I I need to I need to restrict the luxuries of this world. I need I need to fight against hedonism in all of its forms, including. Um, 
a sense of because I'm a sinner, I, in order to prevent future sin and to, in a sense, in a very human way, acknowledge past sin and my, my lack of deserving gifts because mm-hmm. of my failures. So um, there's a lot of reasons to fast. We fast because of everything you said, sister, to, to give us more time and more money and the way that that's tied into the threefold acts of the great fast. But there's also the aspect of we, we just live more simply. We live like mm-hmm. the poor. In other words, we when we don't eat the luxuries, meat and dairy, eggs and fish and, and wine and oil, we live more like the poor. And when we do that, there there's a, a greater sense of community um, and, and, a, and a willing sacrifice. We also, one of the things that inspires me the most most is that we are we are making our bodies needy for something. So our bodies are supposed to hunger. They're supposed to be lacking something. This is the monastic way of lacking sleep and, and, and lacking complete fulfillment in, in, uh, in food and being satiated. And there's something about this, something about this lacking something. My body feels a lack when I truly fast and don't eat everything that I want to eat. And I, when I truly fast and don't eat maybe even enough so that for a period of time, my body is, is yearning for something. That's a spiritual reality. Because if my body is yearning and anticipating the coming of the feast as it should, my, my, I'm sorry, not my body, my soul, my spirit, my, 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 my spirit and my soul should be yearning for, for the nativity of our Lord. And so my body, if it yearns for food, then, then it is, in a sense, um, more in line with the way my my soul is working, and there's not this. It's like what what are they? I, I know I've brought this up before, so I apologize to those who are hearing it again. But in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, they will oftentimes say the worst feeling in the world is AA in the mind and beer in the belly. In other mm-hmm. words, I know that I shouldn't be drinking and yet I just did. And that, so my, my, it's like St. Paul saying, I do what I do not want to do. So my, what I know I should be doing is separated from what I just did. And that, 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 tears, that tears our personhood apart because our brain is saying one thing and our body is saying another. So this is actually brings kind of um, order to our body when, we, when during fasting periods, when we are yearning for the upcoming feast, fasting periods are always oriented towards a feast. You don't just fast for the sake of fasting, right? On mm-hmm. Fridays, we fast because Sunday's coming, right? It's the day Jesus died or the day he rose is Sunday. So there's this also this alignment of our body yearning for something with our mind and our, our soul that yearns for something, namely the upcoming feast. Um, but there's also just the, the sense of penance. I, as a sinner, I know I, I don't deserve to be receiving these luxuries. And, and also um, when I learn how to fast, this is another thing that really inspires me personally. When I learned to fast, I actually learned to, to say, I'm doing something, I, I'm, 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 give, I'm not giving into something I want. I, I'm building up the virtue and the habit of saying, I want this, I'm not gonna have it. Because if we build up that habit and therefore that virtue, then when the bigger temptations come, bigger than having a burger on Friday, bigger than having a, a fried egg in the morning, when those bigger temptations come, I'll, I'll be used to fighting off temptations that I'm in control of. So when the temptations I'm not in control of come up, then I can better resist those. So all of these are reasons for for fasting, for praying and for giving alms. And they're all tied into the anticipation of, of the grace of God given at a feast. And, and, and we prepare ourselves to better and more fully receive the grace of that feast. Yeah, um, that's great. Thank you. That's much more in depth of the, the explanation that I gave. So I appreciate that. The so I, I just want to say a couple more quick things before 
we finish. And that is if you are, so, so that's my main thing is I would encourage you as you're discerning how you can participate in this fast, I would encourage you to think about these things in terms of um, the prayer, the fasting and the almsgiving and within the almsgiving, the time, the treasure and the talents. So it's, it's not just about, oh, I'm going to increase my almsgiving by giving more money to the parish or something like that. Like, great, do that too. Give the money, but that's only the treasure. Like what, what are you giving extra of yourself in your time and of your talents? And maybe the talents are, I, I know that like when I was at the parish and um, in Denver and I was trying to figure out how I could utilize my talents. I was like, I don't feel like I have any talents, but, but I was, I was a tutor and I was in an engineering school. And so I used my, um, for both time and talents, I like gave free tutoring to anyone at the parish who needed it and things like that. So, um, or if you, if you crochet or if you knit, you can be crocheting and knitting things for, to, for homeless shelters or for um, nursing homes or things like that. And, so ways that you can give of yourself and your time and your talents, not just your treasure. Because even though money is something that we can be attached to, um, and we should be increasing our tithing during fasting periods, um, actually like the much greater attachments are usually to our time. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're much more willing to... Um, like give five bucks to a homeless person on the street instead of offering to take them out to lunch because we're just in a rush. And so so things like that, you know, is is be discerning of how you can give of time, treasure, and talents, how you can be fasting from certain certain foods or certain practices in order to have more time to give to prayer, in order to have more money to give in almsgiving. But I would also encourage you, particularly families, to talk to your kids about this because I I never I never learned this growing up because I'm sure my parents didn't know about it, you know, about like the prayer and the fasting and the almsgiving. And like catechize your kids in this and and don't just ask, you know, whether it's this fast or whether it's Lent, whatever you're gonna do as a family. Like don't just ask, like, what are you gonna give up this year? Oh, I'm giving up chocolate. Great. But talk about like well, what are you going to replace that giving up with? Because we, we don't just give up for the sake of having an emptiness. We, we always give something up for the sake of filling it mm-hmm. with something of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, um, okay, you're going to give up going out to get a latte every morning. Um, what are you going to do with that time and the money that you're saving? How is that going to contribute to the other facets of of the fast, the the prayer and the almsgiving and things like that? You know, maybe you're going to fast from listening to the music to music in the car, and that's great. But what are you going to do instead of listening to music? Are you going to pray the rosary? Are you going to pray the chotki? Are you going to things like that? Um, so I would I would encourage individuals, but also families, to to talk this through um, with your family and to try to incorporate those different things. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that that's that's kind of a kingdom of God paradox, the already and not yet, because Mm -hmm. fasting from things, they they don't need to bear fruit until Pascha. They don't need to bear fruit until the nativity. In other words, the the we don't need we don't need to see the fruit right away. And like what you're saying, sister, is a beautiful way to see the fruit right away, but don't don't I don't say, well, now there's a, the reason I'm fasting is to have more time to pray. I like, like that is a reason to fast, but, but the, but the, the, the fruit will come 
at the celebration of the feast as well. So see what you said, sister, see the prayer time be prayer oriented towards the coming feast and towards mm. anticipation. See the almsgiving as oriented towards that feast um, so that so those, those things are, are not only seen as an end of themselves, but also as ends means to the end of, of that upcoming feast as well. I'm, yeah. I'm literally preaching to myself right now because that that's what I tend to do is to see, mm-hmm. is to want to see the fulfillment and everything. Like It's like people joke all the time. Well, it's easy for me to fast because it's, it's just a spiritualization of a diet. And, mm-hmm. and I, 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 go, I get thinner, I get more healthy. So like they're seeing the fruits of it right away. And that can be very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it is. Sure. You, yeah, you might be healthier because you fast, but also make sure that you are, you're not only seeing that as the beauty of it, but it's actually oriented towards the, the upcoming feast. I also want to say, I think you can break down the other two fasting and prayer into two parts each. Like you broke down almsgiving sister into three. Mm -hmm. I think fasting, you can break down into abstinence, namely Mm. not eating certain things Mm -hmm. and you can, and fasting itself, which is eating less or nothing. Mm. So Mm -hmm. in other words, I think it's important to kind of bring in, I I don't, I don't want to overwhelm anybody. And as I'm, I'm almost sorry to say these things, but I don't, please don't get overwhelmed by, you know, breaking down prayer, fasting, almsgiving into three things here and two things there. Like if that's going to overwhelm you and give you anxiety, then it's, don't do it, you know, don't mm-hmm. do it. Um, but but you can break fasting down to abstaining from certain things and also just fa- fasting, actually eating less um, and to actually feel hungry. So you, you, you feel, I want certain foods and that's what I'm, that, that, that yearning for something, it can become a spiritual help, but also the, I'm just hungry in general. So, I, I, you know, both of those things can orient our, our whole person, our, our, our personhood towards anticipation of the gift of God. And then a prayer you can break down into, and this is just, this is just Father Michael's thoughts. This is not like church Communal and private? Exactly. What? Communal and private. So, so the communal prayer, and the reason I say this is because during, especially during the great fast, Lent, and during the Philip's fast, Advent, we have changes to our liturgical season. So mm-hmm. there's actually days you should not have the consecration. There are mm-hmm. a liturgical days. You should not have the consecration because the consecration of the Eucharist is a celebration of the resurrection. And we're in a penitential season. We're anticipating mm-hmm. the resurrection. We're not there yet. And that happens during all the fasts. So the liturgical schedule changes. And during the great fast, there's per sanctified divine liturgy. During um, during the the uh, Philip's fast, most parishes do Emmanuel Malebans and other things like that that you only do during this season. So that's the corporate prayer, the communal prayer. Then there's also the private prayer to make sure that both you you participate in your parish's communal prayer, but you also part to also adapt your prayer to the fasting season when you're praying privately. Yeah, um, I would I would argue that even the things that we're not doing that we don't have necessarily those tangible fruits of like I'm spending less time doing this particular thing and so now I have more time for prayer I would say even the ones that aren't quite so direct as that like all of them should still be in some way directed towards prayer of some kind even even if that means in this very moment like I'm I'm fasting from coffee because like maybe that's not saving you time or money but but I'm just fasting from coffee like you're drinking tea instead. I still think when you go to make your tea it should be a moment of Lord I'm fasting from coffee because I I want you to humble me in preparation for your nativity. Like even even in those moments mm-hmm. like they should still in some sense be directed towards towards prayer. But I I agree that it should be a prayer and a focusing on the particular feast that's upcoming. 
I'll bet you even all three of them refer to the other two. Mm-hmm. So fasting and almsgiving can 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 be done prayerfully, mm-hmm. and 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 prayer and almsgiving can be done as a as a fast as a sacrifice yeah. of praise or of some sort of 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 um, discipline that comes from that sacrifice and mm-hmm. and almsgiving. You know, anyway, all all three yeah. almost like the Trinity. They're all they're all kind of tied up, and they they move together in in that in that period of penance. Yeah. So so just. And be on the lookout for those those connections and and be attentive mm-hmm. to that. And the last thing that I would say is there's also there's also something in the church, even even liturgically in the different seasons and things like that. There's something about um, fasting periods becoming intensified as they go along. So. So if you're if you're still not overwhelmed, <laughs> if you're still not overwhelmed by what we've said, that and you want to take it one more step, I would say I would encourage you to to think about how you could um, intensify your fasting as the season goes along, so you start to to more and more anticipate the feast and more deeply anticipate the feast. And so I don't mean start with a bunch of crazy stuff immediately and then get even more intense. I mean like start more simply and then the following week add something. The following week add something. Like when I was when I was a lay person and um, well, when I was living in the world. And I didn't, um, it, I wasn't necessarily able to do some of the fasting periods I could, but some I couldn't depending on my state in life. But like when I wasn't necessarily able to do the full traditional vegan fast, <laughs> um, I would the first week not have meat on Wednesday and Friday. The next week, not have meat or dairy on Wednesday and Friday. The next week, so on and so forth and kind of intensify it as time goes on and the the other the other nice thing about that is as you're adding something each week it's like a new awareness and a reminder and so you're not just getting into um, so much of a routine and so you're it's it's kind of a constant reminder of like oh that's right I'm preparing for something um, yeah yeah. And that 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 actually is very traditional of kind of mm-hmm. eat. That's why we have pre Lent and things like that, uh, uh, where we kind of ease into ease into the 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 regimen, the the prayer fasting almsing regimens, um, to make it again to adapt to our human. We're human, you know. Mm-hmm. God is not calling us to be superhuman in these things. He's calling us to receive His superhuman grace and His divinity. But but He He understands our humanity. So using our human tendencies. This is why I say like, you know, the church says pray in the morning. Eh, not really. You know, if you, if you're, if the better time for prayer is, is right before lunch, do it right before lunch, do it in the mm-hmm. evening. You know, you, you, you can spend the, the main chunk of your prayer time, even though I always encourage, you know, two or three times a day of prayer, but the main chunk of prayer time, you can do it at whenever makes sense for your temperament, you know, and, and mm-hmm. your disposition. So yeah, the, these things can be adapted and that's why we have spiritual directors. If you can have one, um, you know, someone to bounce these things off of. Yeah, uh, actually last note that I was going to say and I forgot until you said that. If you have a spiritual director, absolutely run by your spiritual director whatever you're planning on doing for a fasting period. Don't just go and do these things on your own um, and because there's there's a great, I mean, go listen to the obedience podcast. Um, there's just, there's a, a great freedom in obedience. And even, I'm not just saying this because, oh, the poor little lay people might hurt themselves. As I've mentioned many times, we have <laughs> we, we have an artipicon in our role of life at the monastery that if we're going to do any fasting, that's in addition to 
the communal fasting, we have to have the permission of the hegumena. Um, so the monastics do this as well. Um, not just because it could be poor for your health, but it could be a temptation to pride, to spiritual pride. It could be lots of things. And so your spiritual director who knows your heart and who's going to discern those things should be aware of what it is that you're doing. Amen. So, and if you don't have a spiritual director, just be on the lookout for those things, I guess, and and ask Jesus to grant you the self-awareness that you need to, to know if you're becoming prideful or if you're doing something that's actually not healthy for you your body or something like that. So, And just run by someone who loves you. You know, are they'll, mm. they bringing in a second person can always be a good thing. You don't have a spiritual director. Just someone who loves you once was good for you. You know, and just whether they might be intimidated by the question, that's okay. You know, just talk it out. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got. Nice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Great topic. Very applicable, of course, and timely. Yeah. So. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, print intentions. Um, forgot about that. Okay, I have two. I'll I'll give mine while you're thinking. Okay. Um, so uh, if you'll pray for, I don't think he'd mind, but I won't give his last name anyway. A young man named Paul, um, who I know here in LA, who is, um, who three weeks ago for you guys, but today and uh, and for the rest of this week is is uh, doing interviews for applications to seminary, um, mm. Roman seminary. Um, but he uh, he 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 is really really loves our Byzantine tradition. So whether he whether he continues on and and ends up discerning out of seminary and and has a good healthy life as a husband and father, or if he goes through with you know Roman Catholic celibate uh, seminary, even if he for some reason decides to go Byzantine, you know um, mm-hmm. whatever may happen. Anyway, that he's got an important week. So to pray for him again, prayers outside of space and time. So they will be applied when you pray for him. Also, please pray. Uh, for with the, I might have mentioned this before, but um, some good Catholics up in Ventura County have asked for a Byzantine outreach up there. Um, mm. So if you live in Ventura County, if you don't, just pray. But we're gonna we're gonna be looking into starting a uh, an outreach up in Ventura County, the Ventura, Camarillo, Santa Barbara area. Um, so just pray that that gets off the ground. Um, now that I have a second priest here with Father Nathan, you know we'll have more time to kind of work on on two different communities, the one here in LA and then one up north as well. Great. Um, well, this is coming out, I think, the day before Thanksgiving. Ooh. So you can just pray for my family because go. we're going to be together for Thanksgiving, um, most of us, and... We typically have Thanksgiving at the monastery and the families come, but because of COVID, it's just not going to be possible. And so mother this year only is allowing us to go home for Thanksgiving, which is super exciting. And my family is going to be together and I love my family and we're also pretty crazy. So you can pray that we don't kill each other, Um, but it'll be, it'll be great fun. So, yeah. Excellent. I will pray for that as well. All right, ready for a blessing, sister? Anything else? Please give the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May you understand better and better every day, every week, every year, the heartbeat and the breathing of the church that happens to these fasting and feasting seasons. Uh, May your own heart and breathing fall in line with that of the body of Christ. And may you fast in the times of fasting. May you feast in the times of feasting. May you find a wholeness and a completeness 
in the anticipation of great feasts that your soul and your spirit, your prayer life will undergo. And may you desire to have your body and therefore your whole person in line with these as well, that you may be healthy and peaceful and ordered in the way that our Lord intends. May you always listen to the guidance of your spiritual director or your friends, your family, whoever's helping you guide. May you discern well the specifics of what our Lord wants you to do in all these ways in the fasting seasons. May you pray for with diligence um, those intentions that we and that your friends and family have asked you to pray for. May you always be better and better at praying and interacting with our Lord in every way. May our Lord bless you this week and always in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love Thank you. you. Take care, guys. Love you, sister. Bye. Bye.